0: Just a few weeks after the, maybe not a few weeks, maybe a month or two, after the original release for Bowman Draft, we have the one-of-one Brady Super Fractor Auto that sold this weekend through Golden Auctions for $158,000. There is a $500,000 bounty, which, you know, whatever. I've said this in the past, like, bounties are... It's very... It feels like it's very rare that the bounty actually goes through. Like, I know uh, DA Card World put out a bounty on um, some card. I forget which card it was exactly, but I... Oh, you know what it was? I think it was... I don't, Actually, now that, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it off the top of my head, I forget exactly which card it was. I think it might have been... Oh, no, it was the Babe Ruth Bowman Super Fractor, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what the card was. That's actually one of the first times that I've seen a bounty go through. And the bounty's not on the one of one. It was on... It was on the the 12 of 50, which I think all of the cards that were in the set that were numbered 12, they're inscribed, so I don't know why the 12 of 50 maybe was the most... was the one that uh, had the bounty on it. But like I said, I mean, at this point, if this card sells... If the 1 of 1, Superfactor, sells for 158000 I think it makes... An interesting case for what the actual value of that of that other card is because I had talked about this when I first originally was seeing some of the campaign and some of the cards come out and I was saying like does the fact that Brady inscribed all of the 12 of numbered whichever numbered cards from that set does it almost devalue those cards and then also the one of one now We don't know. There's no way to know one way or the other whether there was any type of value gained or lost from this type of thing because, you know, the market is going to, the cards on the market are going to sell no matter what. We don't know whether those inscriptions hurt the value of this card. I still think the, you know, a card selling for $158,000, the, you know, one of the first ever Tom Brady Bowman autographs, I still think is a very big deal. And if you go on social media, I mean, Honestly, at this point, it's 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 really just a crapshoot of what you're going to see if people are going to like it, if people aren't going to like it. I mean, I would say I would say nine times out of 10. The only reason you're going to see more people not liking something on social media is because that's just what gets the most engagement. That's what the people you know, that's what the, the crowd's asking for. You know, the when people like something on social media, you're just, you know it just kind of goes into a void if i'm going to be completely honest like at this point specifically too i think in the market of sports cards and the people who are into cards in general or who are on social media and like cards i think that they they love if i'm going to be honest to hate things for, within cards and it's really such an odd like i was thinking about this the other day it's such an odd like a conundrum because it's like you love this thing but it's, like, but it's like, it seems like you hate everything. It seems like everything is an issue or there's always a problem. And it's like, that's why, I mean, I try to at least talk about positive stuff on this some, the podcast sometimes. I mean, there is negative stuff that I'll talk about. But, like, I'm much more of in the optimistic sense of it, I suppose. That's, uh, in my opinion, I think I am. Uh, so, I think, you know, this Tom Brady card selling for $158,000 is great. Because somebody pulled that card, they got it graded, and, you know, all in all, they probably made whatever, like 130, you know, you pay taxes on that and stuff, but it's like, this was life-changing money for somebody. So someone got their life changed because they sold this card, most likely, you know, especially if you're, within sports cards, like 130, 100, you know, grants, like I said, with taxes, I don't know, it might be, you cut that in half, so it's really probably like 70, 65, 70, 80 grand they probably made from, with, all in all, after taxes with this card, but it's like, that's life-changing money for somebody, so the fact that it's sold for that price, I still think is a big deal within sports cards, and there were a couple other cards that sold through gold that I'm going to talk about on probably... Probably tomorrow's episode, I'm going to talk about one of the other cards that sold that I thought was pretty significant. But, you know, now that LeBron has been confirmed for Fanatics, this, the next big chase card is probably, is obviously going to be that one-of-one Bronny James-LeBron auto coming out of Bowman. So, this, you know, maybe it's a conspiracy theory. I think it probably is, because you look at, like, what the big chase cards were over the past couple months it was the Brady card that came out of this out of this product it gets pulled it gets graded it gets sold and then Bowman basketball is supposed to be coming out very soon so then now you got the LeBron card that's going to be coming out and I guess we'll see what the marketing campaign I'm sure there's going to be a pretty heavy marketing campaign around that product if I'm going to be honest because you know a LeBron autograph like he like like you know he doesn't just he was exclusive with Upper Deck for so long, so he didn't have any Panini autos, so, like, his autos are very rare, so this is be- one of the first non-Upper Deck autos in, like, forever, like, and even, like, if you look at, like, like, he did the Space Jam product, I don't think any of those LeBron autos have been pulled out of the Space Jam product, at least not that I've seen, you know, granted, it was a hot product when that first came out, but, you know, it probably, people move their interest to a different to different ones, so... They didn't maybe maybe they didn't care as much about that product. So if the card did get pulled and they get posted on social media, maybe people didn't notice it. There's a potential that happened, um, but like I said, you're gonna see mixed reviews again. This is a thing where it's like you can like this, you can like the fact that this card was pulled and not feel like not feel like I don't know weird about it or whatever or or, or that it's sold for this price because like I've said. I've seen a ton of people who are like this is a great sale for this card. Like and I'm wondering when some of these inscription cards sell, I wonder what those prices are going to be and if they're going to compare to this because like I said the I, I wonder if the if the fact that he signed the 12 of whatever cards and then this has this one of one sort of spreads out the value. Like I wonder I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see those prices of those cards, and then even potentially maybe doing some sort of, I don't know if there's like an equation or anything really that you could pull from that, from the pricing, because sure, I think the 12 of 50 or whatever, even if it wasn't inscribed, it's probably going to sell for more than the 20 of 50 or the 2 of 50 or whatever, but the fact that they're inscribed, I think the value maybe spreads out the value of what the overall pricing and overall total price of all these autos are going to cost. So I haven't seen any of the 12 autos pulled. Only this one of one. Uh, But, you know, like I said, it's sold over the weekend. And, you know, I'm going to have my eye out for, for some of these 12 autos that are signed or the inscripted because... Like I said, I'm just interested to know if there's any type of devaluing or you know valuing being spread out amongst these cards, uh, because basically in this product you have like four or five cards that could be considered a one of one. If you compare and contrast the way that Panini does marketing on Prism versus the way that Tops and Fanatics have done marketing on you know the flagship product. Uh, Bowman, I think, is another good example. I would say, if we're looking at, you know, if we're comparing the two companies, those are probably the comparable, uh, comparable products when it comes to popularity for each of the companies. And, you know, Bowman, and I think this is actually probably one of the first years that Tops has really gone, like, above and beyond. So, I mean, I would even say if you don't include, like, the Tom Brady campaign and this year's promotion of Bowman, like, if you were just to include Bowman Chrome and then Bowman Baseball from the beginning of the year, um, and if you were to, I mean, I guess you could include all, you know, probably f- Series 1 and Series 2, you know, you're gonna see more promotion from Tops versus uh, Update, because when Update comes out, that's when also Bowman's coming out, you've had a ton of different products, and it's it's actually interesting for me. Like tops update, I'm not sure exactly why there still is a tops update. Like I understand that tops wants to make money on the product and they're going to sell it, but I do wonder what the like I would be and, and I'll I'll never probably see these numbers, but I would be interested to know the profit margin between what it costs for all of the tops update cards like you know autographs memorabilia production uh, distribution all of those things versus how much money they actually make which i guess i you know I, look now that i'm thinking about it a little bit i, I would imagine tops probably they probably have uh contracts with distributors and hobby shops where they and this is me, these, these sort of spitballing and brainstorming, and not not knowing for sure. But like the cards, it feels like when they come out, it feels like they're probably already sold. Like Tops isn't actively trying to get people, isn't trying to. They're not actively trying to get uh, the large quantities of Tops update to be sold. They probably already have contracts in place with people where they know that Tops update is a product that they can just produce, and they know that x amount of people are going to be buying it because they already have contracts in place but you know either way i think i think that there's a way that they could make series 1 and series 2 better and just make it series 1 and series 2 or just maybe they call it something different i don't know cuz you know also like i get i don't know it's just like i said it's weird that it's series 1 series 2 and then update like why not just do i guess the same way that heritage does heritage and then heritage high number You know, why not just do two different products? Like, why not make the product a little bit better? And, you know, I guess, sure, you might look at it and there may be a bunch of different reasons why they still want to come out with Update. But, sorry, that's not really the point. The point that I'm trying to make on this podcast is that I feel like Panini has given up on marketing prism. And I say that across all of their sports because if you go to their Twitter, there is – one tweet about like a a, a Puka uh, Canua, I think is the the wide receiver, the rookie wide receiver from the Rams. There was one tweet about some like draft picks auto that that someone bought, like that they retweeted like in the past couple of days. Because prison basketball is is close to becoming is close to coming out. I believe the checklist is out, which you know with with prison basketball and prison football, there's only one release the whole entire year. So it really is almost a. It's almost a contrast between like Prism coming out once a year and then you know tops update and Bowman coming out multiple times a year. But from what it looks like is that Panini has basically and I've said I think I've talked about this on other shows where a couple different things. I don't know if Panini is looking at this and saying, well, we don't need to market because it's our most popular product you know, like I said, chicken or the egg type situation. Do are do people want to buy this because we're marketing it or do we not need to market it because people are going to be buying it no matter what? Like, I, you know, that, And I don't think that's exactly the chicken or the egg. And I think actually on the last time I tried making that comparison, I think I did it wrong that time too, but, but either way. So that's like the one point. And then the other point is just like, do they maybe not even have the resources to market this product? Like, have they really gone almost skeleton crew at Panini with all the departments because of? I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know what's going to happen with Panini over the next few years. Like, sure, they have some decent licenses, but I just feels like every couple months they lose some, they lose a license, and and that may so maybe that's the reason why we're not really seeing any type of marketing around Prism. Uh, I mean I think more realistically I think that's probably the reason because I just look at it and say you know Prism is their most popular product which I mean if you honestly if you look at the marketing in general there really hasn't been much promotion of any Panini product which you know I don't know if that's indicative of they know that the products that they're putting out are not good realistically like they know that they don't have any of these top quarterbacks on you know any type of uh, autographs so it's like if they're trying to promote any of these products that don't have autographs, it's like maybe they look at it and say, well why? what's even the point? Like we know we already know, like and it's probably the same thing, like they already have you know, contracts with let's just say however many distribution companies, with however many Targets and Walmarts, well targets, targets Target and Walmart would be with the distribution but Hobby Shops, so they don't like I would be also interested to know the difference between just direct-to-consumer for Panini and then how much they're making through the distribution of you know hobby shops and stuff along those lines. I think that also would be a kind of an interesting number. And I wonder if it's – I mean I wonder if it's like an 80-20 type of situation where 80% of the money they're making is from these you know contracts and distribution and then only 20% is direct-to-consumer. Because obviously with direct-to-consumer, you're taking out the middleman and completely – but, you know, somebody, based on the pricing that they're putting out, you know, and they, a lot of the products are saying that they're sold out, you know, on Penny's website when they first come out with them with like verse off the line and stuff. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I've i worked in marketing before and I have worked it for a company that has tried to sell a product and the. Product almost selling out was like a very specific marketing point that we use pretty frequently, if I'm going to be honest. Like, even though it really wasn't, it's, you know, sometimes it was close to selling out. Most of the time, you know, it would be, most of the time it was a little bit of a fib. I'm not going to lie. Like, and that's, you know, that's just a marketing ploy. Like, marketing in general is such a, it's almost like you're trying to get, like it's a scarcity type of marketing, and I think a lot, pretty much almost all marketing is really like that, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like all all different forms of marketing are trying to, I guess you could say scare people into buying the product by saying that it's almost sold out. So, you know, if first off the line comes out, and that sells out really quickly. People are going to people that don't really know are going to look at that and they say, "Oh, well now I have to you know, I want to go out and buy whatever at the store because you know, it's sold out on Panini's website. So if I can find it in the store, I got to buy it." Now, that type of consumer buying probably has a much lower threshold for the profit that Panini is actually making on the product because there's you know, there's the distribution, and then there's Target and or Walmart. So there's like different, there's almost different layers, which I think is sort of why we've seen fanatics really do a lot of focusing on um, going more direct to consumer. You know, because they're a they're a business, they are a business trying to make money. So that's just I think what you're going to see from them in the future, more of that type of marketing. So that's why maybe Panini looks at it and says, well. If only twenty percent of our marketing is, or any, only twenty percent of our profit from Prism is coming from people buying it directly, like what's even the point of, what's even the point of marketing it on Twitter or Instagram or any of these websites? Like maybe that's the case. I don't know. I mean, it, it just it it does seem a little bit unfortunate because I always enjoy seeing all the stuff that people talk about Prism and all of these products when they come out. Panini, not really in the same boat, it seems, but I guess we'll see. uh, Maybe there'll be some sort of more marketing once Prism Basketball actually is going to be coming out uh, pretty soon. If you listen to this podcast on a daily basis, you've probably heard me preach about alternative sports until my voice goes hoarse. I think that's the saying. I think that's the saying, whatever. But you have heard me talk about alternative sports ad nauseum you know, soccer, I would consider an alternative sport. WNBA, another one I'd consider an alternative sport. Um, MLS, I think you could also, I guess that, yeah, soccer, that falls under soccer. But so I think one of the, maybe one of the most significant women's basketball cards is up for sale right now. It's going to be ending next week. And I'll mention on the podcast, I mean, I'm going to get my points out on this show because I think this card is very important. And it's the Caitlin Clark one-of-one one Bowman Super Fracture Autograph. Unfortunately, it is a sticker auto. So that is a little bit, you know, that I think is unfortunate. Um, as of recording, it's at, I believe, 17K. Uh, yeah, 17K, like I said, with a week left. And the thing with Caitlin Clark is she, she's already a star. Like, she is doing what Steph Curry did in the NBA, in the 2010s, where she is creating viral highlights, and this is something that I've talked about. I actually would almost say, I don't know. I don't think hockey is necessarily in that alternative sports category, but I think it's definitely it's definitely outside of the top three. And I think between that and then number three, so baseball, basketball, football, I think are one, two, three. I think it's a bit, there's a very wide margin between hockey and those other ones. But Connor McDavid, for example. He has highlights that go viral on social media. Caitlin Clark is doing the exact same thing. She is putting up video game numbers in the NC in in women's basketball right now. I think you also look at LSU. There's also um, I think her name is Christine Brink. She plays for Stanford, I believe. I think I talked about this. Now I believe I talked about this on last week's podcast because I saw the checklist for this year for Bowman basketball. And the women that are on this checklist are Paige Buchers is going to be getting her first bowman in this upcoming bowman bowman basketball. But uh, Caitlin Clark obviously was in last year's, and I mean we saw what happened with Caitlin Clark in the NCAA tournament, making it to the finals. Unfortunately, unfortunately LSU just kind of overpowered them a little bit when it came to the overall team. Like Caitlin Clark was amazing, but the rest of the team really couldn't keep up with what. LSU had to like what LSU brought out there. They really they kind of dominated that game if you watch that women's final. And again, I have preached about these like WNBA and women's basketball and I I think soccer. um, because they're just I don't know, there's just something about that I find interesting about sports and finding players that people don't really know about or interested in about because I almost have found that there's some sort of camaraderie between people who are interested in these types of alternative um, cars and sports. And like I said, at this point, Caitlin Clark is not; she's a household name. If you follow college basketball at all, she is like she's dominating. I mean, she—it's really impressive this year, honestly, what she's done. And I forget if this year is her last year or if she said she's going to play another year because there was there was a thing with her eligibility because of COVID where she had an extra year. So I forget if this year is her extra year or if next year she can choose to come back again. And if if that's the case, I wouldn't be surprised if she decides to go back to the NCAA and play another season. Um, I think with some other names within college basketball, we've seen probably some more prominent um you know, sponsorships. I mean, she she works with State Farm. So, I mean, she... So, actually, maybe maybe what I just said is not necessarily correct. She works with State Farm, one of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, some of the... Travis, Travis Kelsey, some of the biggest names in all sports working with this sponsor. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see her maybe potentially play another season in the NCAA. Now, it would be great if she went to the WNBA because I think that would... There are some going... There, this generation... Of WNBA players that are going to be going to the pros in the next year or two are really going to be like in it's going to be crazy. And you're gonna see the growth of this sport really exponentially grow because the talent that's going to be going into the league, there isn't just one or two players, there's like five to ten players that are in the NCAA that are playing in women's NCAA right now that are going to be, like, the faces of the league. Like, we have already seen the faces of the league in the WNBA. You know, the Lisa Leslie's, the Sue Bird's, um, uh, you know, and, and there's another one, Sabrina Ionoscu, who's in the WNBA right now. She was a rookie in 2020. She was in 2020 Prism, which I still think is a phenomenal product to buy if you're really looking to maybe prospect on some sort of product. I think that's a good product to buy. I think last year's Bowman is another... Product that is going to be pretty significant in the next couple of years because it also has the Webinyana card in it. You're not going to get any autos, unfortunately, because they're redemptions. So that kind of maybe hurts the it probably hurts the product just a little bit, not like a ton. I still think it's a good product to buy. But Caitlin Clark, like I said, is a player right now who is transcending the game of women's basketball. And there are a couple other players that, like I said, Paige Buchers, who hasn't had like these highlight plays, but like Caitlin Clark, who has been like dropping 30 every single game, like pulling up from the logo, hitting game winners. Like it's really, it's really impressive what she's been able to do. And how I think that translates to cards is like, I, I just see more people being interested in this sport in the future. I just don't see how, I don't see how when Caitlin Clark makes it to the WNBA, she isn't like one of the faces of the league and isn't like in every single marketing campaign and every single like piece of everything within the WNBA. So it's like if you have the opportunity to buy that player's cards right now, like we're not talking about a, uh, like if we're talking about Bowman, we're not talking about some random 16 or 17 or 18-year-old who has a first Bowman. We're talking about like you have an opportunity, if you want to, to buy a buy a star. You're buying a star right now. And I guess that's maybe that's my opinion, that's my prediction, but it's like just based on what she's been able to do in – in this during the season this year, I don't see how she doesn't go on to be a superstar in the WNBA, and as the WNBA continues to become a larger league, you, there's just gonna be more eyeballs and stuff, and I think what ends up happening is, you know, I think one reason why women's sports has not been as popular is because it hasn't been on TV, and it's not because the product isn't as good, like, if you watch these games, they're entertaining and they're good games. The leagues just haven't been able to get the contracts secured. So the fact that they're going to be getting the contracts secured, getting these TV contracts, they're going to be able to push money into those leagues. They're going to be push money into the contracts and all of these things and get more exposure for these players. That's just, and in my opinion, that's, that's what I think is going to happen over the next few years with, 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 with women's sports overall. I mean, you could even say with like the women's soccer league, um, you know, I think uh, Park Parkside Cards, I believe, has the uh, contract, has the contract, like the exclusive contract for the, like the women's MLS, basically. Which again, that was a that was a final that I watched. That was very entertaining. It came down to like legitimately like the last kick of the game. So to add on to soccer and women's sports and all of these things, I think it's interesting to look into. Again, you'll probably hear me talk about this in the future. So you know, you know, don't be surprised if Caitlin Clark goes on to become this wide, this superstar. And I don't even necessarily think that my prediction is going to be like, see, I told you everybody, I told you everybody that she was going to be a superstar because she is a superstar right now. It's like, it's like if Steph Curry was like when he was at Davidson, imagine if Steph Curry was where he was at in his like sixth or seventh season in the NBA, but playing at Davidson and doing these insane things. That's what we're seeing right now with Caitlin Clark. And I think we're going to continue to see it. Um, Now, what's going to happen with her cards? I think, at least I hope, we're going to see maybe some growth in maybe just women's sports overall. Like I said on yesterday's podcast, the market has changed a lot. But I think we're going to see people navigating towards some of these smaller, cheaper cards. Or not smaller, but cards that are less expensive. Because some of the more expensive cards are just out of people's price ranges. So they're going to look for alternatives, which is sort of what I've talked about with football. But I think with sports overall, with this sport overall, we're looking at like an even uh, less expensive card that I think people are really going to be looking at in the next few years as a card where people really, you know, I think people are going to enjoy the sport more because they're going to see it more because the product that's being put out is really good. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a commentary on the quarterback market, I guess, right now. I mean, I I do focus a little bit on the market, but not as much. I mean, I really do try to focus more on the big picture of where sports cards are going and just commentary on stuff that's going on throughout the news because, I don't know, I think at this point the market is... I don't know, it's it, it's just not, it's not as strong, and I think it's, it's just, I, I don't know exactly what happened, like, I think the, and, we're and, actually, no, maybe it's not, okay, sorry, let me reverse that, it's not that it's not strong, I actually think that it's good, because there isn't as much volatility, I think, within the market right now, and I think, not really, an, not an example, but something that I want to make a commentary on, is like, How sports cards sometimes people within sports cards, not sports cards, but people within the community, people within buying and selling the market, they can just look at a player and just decide that they're they're, that he he's not a player that has value. Really, like not even necessarily looking at like how well the player is playing, because you look at a player, and I'll use three, I think three examples here. You got Jordan Love, you got uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. And then Baker, Baker Mayfield, who if, you know, if you go back way, way back, way back when I was like first getting into podcasting, I remember making this episode about Baker Mayfield and being like, why Baker Mayfield might be one of the most interesting quarterbacks in the league. If he can figure out how to change his career by potentially changing teams or something along these lines. But, you know, Jalen Hurts lost like six of his last seven going into the playoffs, which is insane. Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, who really has a better shot to make it? I really think probably the NFC Championship game is going to be the Lions and San Francisco. So I would say Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield, these are probably going to be their last games of the season. But I was just looking up pricing for both of their players, for their Prism rookie cards, because if you listen to my episode yesterday, I was talking about how Prism is basically... I would say that's basically the flagship. That's like the mainstay of cards for football and basketball players right now. And if you're looking at, I guess if you're looking at the value of a player, I would say prism is going to be that card. You're probably going to be wanting to look at now. Jordan loves cards right now are around 80, $90 for a PSA 10 of his 2020 prism Baker. On the other hand, his are going to be around 40 to $45. Now, I think Baker is probably going to get a big contract this offseason. So I don't know if but I don't know if the you know the he's necessarily a buy now, you know, whatever. I think you're probably going to be I would say there's probably going to be a decrease in that price realistically. I don't know where it goes. I mean, maybe it goes to like 30, maybe maybe it stays around 45. But I think this offseason is going to be a big offseason for Baker because I think he's shown that he is actually a really good quarterback. Uh Because, you know, and now we're getting all the stories of Baker in Cleveland and how, like, the coach and the owner were fighting about him and how, I mean, realistically, if I'm the NFL, and this will obviously never happen, but I need, they really should take a look at what the Browns are doing because the Browns have been, the Browns overall have been one of the most pathetic franchises and no no offense to anybody who's a Browns fan, but, like, you look at all of the quarterbacks that have gone there, all the top picks that have gone there, you know, they signed Deshaun Watson to this insane contract and totally messed up the quarterback market because they gave him all of this, they gave him all this guaranteed money, and now every other quarterback is going to look at that and say, well, Deshaun Watson got all that money, so, you know, I'm probably a more, I'm probably a much safer, reliable quarterback than he is, so where's the money that I'm going to be getting? the NFL or someone needs to really take a look at the Browns and see what the heck is going on here. It also just shows that like sports just in general is like insanely profitable. Even you could run the most dysfunctional worst worst team in the league, worst franchise in the league and still like I'm sure whoever owns the Browns is if they were to sell the Browns today, they would probably make 10x their money from when they bought the Browns but I think you know like I said and this is a baker conversation because then Baker goes to I think Carolina and then he goes and he's the backup in LA and then he goes to Tampa and you know he's got a pretty decent team around him but I think he really showed this year that he is a really serviceable quarterback that could can take a team to the playoffs if they're looking to you know I don't know if he's necessarily going to stay in Tampa I don't see You know, I don't know why maybe he wouldn't. I'm sure they're probably going to try and get him to stay, I would imagine. But overall, I just think you look at him as a player and his cards. The hobby really was so high on him when he first came into the league. And then they basically just were like, no, we're done with you. And I think that it it goes to show that if you're buying any new quarterbacks, you never know what's going to happen like, you never know at what point you're just going to have a bad season and then the hobby's done with you. And then even if you have a good season, you know, you upset, uh, which I guess the Eagles, you look back at that game, I mean, people don't really know what they were doing there. I mean, that was kind of an odd game. The Eagles kind of stunk a little bit. But, like, th- that was an upset. I mean, I-, I would say a lot of people thought that the Eagles were probably going to handle the Bucks probably pretty handily. Um, just based on the way that they played throughout the season. I know that they lost a bunch of games at the end of the season. And then Hurts, for example, is the other kind of quarterback that I was talking about here with Hurts and Jordan Love. People still really like them. And I think even Jordan Love, honestly, at like $80, like, I don't know. I guess I'll be interested in a few years to see sort of where... Like, if there's a floor when it comes to cards, like when it comes to quarterback cards specifically, too, within the NFL, because the quarterbacks at this point. I'll, I could probably keep making the prediction every single year that this is going to be the year that quarter that running backs and wide receivers make some sort of, you know, resurgence within cards or whatever, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been I've been saying that for years, and it hasn't happened, so I I probably will keep saying it just because it's like the thing, it's almost like I'm going to keep saying it the way that everybody was saying sports cards are, you know, there's, there's fraudulent, it's a scam, it's going to go down, and, you know, eventually they were kind of correct, but they were saying it for years and years and years and years and years, and you know, there's the saying that like the broken clock is right twice a day. I don't necessarily, I, I you know, I guess that's what you could call the people that were calling for the downfall of sports cards or whatever for so long. And it's like they can keep saying it, and eventually maybe they're going to be right. Maybe I'll keep saying that running backs and wide receivers are going to be uh, going to be more valuable, and maybe one day I'll be right. I don't know necessarily. Like I, don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm if I believe that necessarily anymore. I thought that they could. But now that we're seeing, like like I said, the Jordan Loves, uh, the Jalen Hurts, and then, the, you know, Baker, at the prices that they're at, and they're playing at the level that they're at, I'm not really sure where the floor is going to be or how much fluctuation there's going to be. And it may even be a thing where you're going to have to get really lucky in the future and guess right on certain players because even if you do guess right on players – there's a chance that you know they just may the you know the market or whatever they the market may just never pick up on that player. They the market may just never necessarily really care. Baker, I think, is a perfect example. I mean, had really a phenomenal season. You know, plays now is in the playoffs. Is one game away from the NFC Championship game. I mean, he is. You know, I, I think he's going into the uh, the Thunderdome. No, it's the. I was thinking I, the. uh Ford Field. I was thinking of just another name for the stadium because it's gonna be crazy. I mean, the fact that I was—it was so cool to see all like the uh, the Detroit stuff that happened this past weekend with them uh, winning that game, especially against the Rams, and especially see that because the trade that happened with uh, Jared Goff and the Rams and all that kind of stuff was pretty cool. So, like I said, something that I was just thinking about, like it's just Baker Mayfield. I think is an interesting player. But is there have we reached potentially a floor within sports cards and are we ever going to get to a point where we see that pretty high fluctuation in cards? I'm not really sure, to be honest, because I don't think I think the people who were causing the fluctuation in cards aren't necessarily into cards as much as they were in the past, which I think leads to more collectors uh being into cards which i think in turn leads to prices staying pretty stagnant and not increasing and decreasing the crazy ways that we saw over the past few years we are we're i mean i guess well prison football has been out but we're finally getting some of the the other products that have important cards and i think the kaboom card is definitely one of them and I mean I guess I don't I, – I guess you. Could, I could give Panini props maybe by saying the Kaboom, they have – I don't know how many of the non-numbered Kabooms there are. I would imagine that number has gone up significantly, but the gold and the green, they haven't added any more numbered Kabooms. So I think that – I don't know. I guess I can tip my hat to them because if if we're looking at some of the other things that they've done over the past few years – you probably could say well it, it it wouldn't you know it wouldn't hurt them to add in like a, uh, i don't know like a i don't know a red number to 5 or something like that i mean basically go like the pmg route because as much as pmg i think is one of the more important cards within within sports cards in general i think the way that the kabooms are numbered is very similar um, and the importance of those cards I think are very similar. Now, obviously, I don't think PMGs have any non-numbered PMGs. I think it's only red and green, which are numbered. Um, So take that. I mean, take that with with, with what you will. But the other thing that I think is going to be interesting this year is how I will be interested to see how breakers promote the products for football because – They have none of those top rookie autographs. Sure, they have Anthony Richardson, who had a pretty promising season until, unfortunately, he got hurt kind of in the middle and then sort of didn't play the rest of the year. That was unfortunate. But I think, you know, unfortunately what that may lead to is people speculating on how good he could be, especially with, like, CJ Shroud making the playoffs and playing at such a phenomenal level that it's like, I think people may try to equate Anthony Richardson's success early on in the season to a CJ Shroud because of because he did play well, you know, for the Colts and the Colts weren't necessarily like the best team in the league. They were kind of in that middle that middle tier. I think that they were kind of close to making the playoffs. I'm pretty sure. I think actually it might have come down to that last game. I'm pretty sure with Houston and I'm pretty sure Houston needed to win to get in, and I think that they did. So that's how they that's how they ended up getting in. So then what with, with, with you got this? Uh, what you have this this playoff you have a rookie quarterback who has been really phenomenal and but he doesn't have any uh he doesn't he's not going to have any autographs in any of these products like he's not going to have which is crazy to say and I almost wonder if Panini is really going to try and do some sort of something with trying to get autographs into some sort of product because not having the Will Levis CJ Shroud Uh, Bryce Young Autos in any product is like pretty insane if you really think of the grand scheme of things because it's really going to rely on the thing like these football products, like the marketing behind for Breakers is really going to rely on a lot of like the parallels and the low numbered stuff, but that is the perfect example of what I was talking about with these kabooms where they just continuously add a new and new and new parallels. And now without those big autographs of those players, it's that's probably what we're going to see over these next like couple months as more football products come out. We're just going to see probably more parallels that are going to be, you know, the big hits that are going to be coming out of this product because that's just what they're going to be like realistically. And that's, that is i think unfortunate for football card people like you, you, i mean cuz you could buy like the tops like uh Tyson Beck and Tops did a collaboration with CJ shroud which like i said i talked about this probably a couple weeks ago when the first original like i think CJ shroud had like 450 yards and four touchdowns or something like that and they came out with a, like a Tops now Tyson Beck version of that card and the photo that they chose and i think they did it for this one as well the photo that they chose was I you know I think that they did a good job choosing the photo where you can't like obviously if you know to look for the logos you would be looking for them and if you're like uh I don't know if you're a you know a sports card person who's been looking at that type of stuff you you'll notice right away that there's no logos in any of the jerseys but I think that they chose a good photo for that product to. Not, not negate the fact that there are there are no logos, but like make it seem like there it, it's not as big a deal as it could be. Um, so, like because and the and you know the reason I'm talking about this now is because with, with uh, absolute coming out that's kind of what I've been seeing on Twitter is like all the kabooms that are coming out. And like I said, I think kaboom is, I think it's panini's one. It's one of their most important cards for football. Not as much for basketball. I don't think. I'm not really sure what I would compare for basketball. Panini is like the Kaboom. Um, but like, like I said, the Kaboom is probably the biggest base non-RPA card for football. Um, just trying to think if there, are even, if there are any others. I mean, obviously all the low-numbered parallels of the base cards, those are going to be also the hits. But at the same time, like Panini has even done it where there's like three different versions of the one of one which I hate, I mean, you know, I I don't know if I've talked about that as much, like, I think there was a, um, Shador Sanders, there was, like, a multiple one-of-one image variation, one-of-one super factors, and it's, like, you're defeating the purpose of the one-of-ones, like, it really, it really seems like it shouldn't be allowed somehow, like, it seems like, I don't know. I, I I like it seems like they're just coming out with the same card. Like that's kind of the that's the issue that's the main issue that I have. Like I know that there's like the regular prism and then there's like the I think it's like the mojo prism and then there's like another black variation prism that is like they're all one of ones. And it's like what is the like I, I well, and I obviously know what the point is. The point is for need to make more of those cards so that way they can put them spread them out throughout the product and make more product. But it's like it is it's it's completely defeating the purpose of a 1 of 1. If you have three different 1 of 1s of the same card design, you know, maybe one has a variation, image variation, but there is the Mojo refractor 1 of 1 and then there's the regular base 1 of 1. It does feel like that shouldn't be allowed and I don't know from what uh who would make it not allowed like you know because the sports card companies are the ones making the cards, so they're the ones that are making the rules. So there's no way for them to look at it and say, "Well, you know, we we don't want to put more than one one of one in all these products because we we you know we don't want to make more money or whatever." I, I don't know exactly what it is, but these low numbered parallels and some of these important um, important base card base card uh, no some of these important insert base cards are going to be what drives these football markets. So I don't know. I mean, I'm really hoping that we see prices don't go crazy. Like I don't think they're going to be that crazy this year for football because of the lack of autographs, but I do think that that's what you're going to see with a lot of marketing. So, if you, you know, like I said, don't be surprised if on social media and all this stuff, you see all the big polls or all of these uh, inserts and the one of ones and the low numbered parallels because there's no autographs of any of those big quarterbacks in any football product this year.